emphasize speaks to those for their exhortation, encouragement, and comfort. So it's a positive thing. It's not calling out people's faults, but calling them into their future, calling them into their destiny. And so we, you, you know that you've been here for a while. You know that once in a while we'll do something like this. We haven't done it at the beginning of a sermon before, but we've done it during our uh, time. So that's what we're doing. So I want to talk about, and I'll talk, because uh, I did this, I'll talk a little less, I hope, than what I, uh, the length that I was going to talk. But I want to talk about n no adults allowed. And where I get this is from the wise men. When you read about them, they do things that adults wouldn't do. They go on a search, and I imagine people tried to talk them out of it because they're looking for a baby at least probably 800 miles away, and it normally or rationally it doesn't seem to make sense that they would go this long distance and then bow down to a kid and then go back home. What was it all about? And it's in just one of the Gospels. And how do we make sense of this? Where were they from? And we're not sure, but I'm going to give you my idea about where they might have come from and why they might have come to this little puny place. If you look, okay, I'm going to pull this out. Uh, if you, if you look at Israel, I mean, you can hardly see it on this world map. You can barely see Israel. Why all the commotion? Why would anybody come to Israel? It's this spot right there, just a tiny spot. But the world is looking at Israel. The world is fighting over Israel. And Israel has all kinds of enemies. What's that all about? And why would people come from the east to this place here? Bethlehem is about five miles south of Jerusalem. I've walked it before. It took about two hours because uh, I lived in, in Jerusalem for about eight months. And... Uh, these guys, I doubt if they came on camels. They weren't kings, by the way. We three kings, no. We don't know how many came. There may have been 12. They were wise men. So when you hear wise men, you got to back up and say, have we ever heard any talk about wise men in any other place in the Bible? Where, where did we hear about wise men? Okay, there we heard about it. In Egypt, there were wise men. Where else? Daniel. Daniel was trained to be a wise man. How many years did he have schooling? That many. He, he went to grad school in Babylon for three years. And how did he get to, how did he get to Babylon? 
Well, we back up, and this little group here, this little country, they operated like no one else ever did. Their government was a theocracy. What does that mean? Who was king? God. God was a king. And so they did, and, and God had representatives on earth that helped him do. And so you had people like Moses who would lead the people, but it was this theocracy. It wasn't, Moses wasn't a king. He was a representative of God. And then he passed it on to Joshua. And Joshua represented God. Moses had mentored Joshua. So now Joshua, who did Joshua pass it on to? He didn't. And it was a terrible time. Because now you had the time of the judges where different people came forward. And it was so bad that people started saying, we want a king. And that wasn't God's idea. That was their idea. They wanted a king. And so who became the first king? Saul. Saul was the first king. Second king, David. Hey, things got pretty good under David. Things got real good under David. But then his son, Solomon, he did good. But then after that, it fell apart. And kings were fighting other kings, and other nations were fighting. And finally, this group, a, a guy by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, he took them, he conquered them, and he took them from here, many thousands of them, here to Babylon. So you got Nebuchadnezzar, and you've got a young man because he was nobility, they picked him to learn the literature of this country and to learn about the stars, astronomy or astrology, and, and to interpret dreams. How do you do? Pretty good. Phenomenal. He not only interpreted dreams, but when the king forgot it, and that was, they were gonna, he was going to kill all the wise men. Wise men, remember that. They were, they were men. They weren't leaders. They were servants of the king. So they probably weren't rich. They were going to be all killed. And so Daniel said, whoa. I'll tell you what your dream was. Just give me some time. And he went back, and they prayed. And God gave him not only the interpretation, but the dream itself. That's pretty good. That's, that's a pretty good wise man. And so he became famous in Babylon. And actually, there became a place of Jewish studies here in Babylon. But then sometime later, I should have pushed this over, because over here is Persia, present time Iraq, Iran, uh, Iran. Then over here, you got Afghanistan and Pakistan and all these Istans up here. And so here we're in Persia, and Susa is the capital. And Darius comes, and he takes them. And now he's the king. And he's got a kingdom that stretches from India all the way to Ethiopia. 
And we read about that in a book called Esther, because Esther is in Persia. And Persia, remember, you, you, you studied this in grade school. Really? We had this in grade school. We had world, world geography and world history. And so Esther's here in, in the capital. And how did she get there? Because they were, took God's people and they merged over here. So now we got some wise men. I, we don't know where they're from, but I'm thinking they're maybe from here because Daniel was so phenomenal that they, they knew about him, I'm sure, for centuries afterwards. And then there was a, a place of studies in Babylon. And so I'm thinking that these wise men came and they walked. I don't think they had camels. I think they walked. And we don't know where they walked, but you remember from geography, what's this called? Fertile Crescent. Because it's, this is desert here, but you've got the Fertile Crescent here. You've got two big rivers, Tigris and Euphrates, and you've got the Fertile Crescent right here. So if they may have gone across the desert, but that would have been hard, or they w walked here. This is 800 miles from here. So it's not a quick trip. You know, it's going to take a while walking. So maybe four or five months. We don't know. When, by the time they got there, the baby was called a child. It's a different Greek word. It's called a child. And they're not in a cave or they're not out back in a stable. They're in a house. So things have changed. They stayed. It may be a year later. Maybe King Herod said, I'm going to get him for every year, two years and under. So uh, he was thinking, it's been a while, so he's going to go after all little kids, make sure he gets them. So they're coming that far because somehow God got through to them that this was important. That's not an adult-like thing. This is a childlike thing. So I want to look at Matthew chapter 2 and uh, just say five childlike things. And I, the end of the sermon, what my hope is, is you'll say, God, make me more like a child. The disciples of Jesus had it all wrong because when moms and dads were bringing their kids to Jesus, what were the disciples doing? Pardon? Shooting them? Shooing them. Oh, <laughs> God, they were shooing and not shooting. Okay. They were trying to get rid of them because this, th this thing of faith in Jesus is an adult thing, and Jesus said it's just the opposite. Peter, they were, they were discussing, they were embarrassed because Jesus says, what were you guys discussing? And they didn't want to tell him because they were discussing and arguing who was the greatest. And I think Peter was saying, it's obvious I'm the greatest because Jesus said to me, Matthew 16, when Jesus, he said, who do you say I am? And Jesus, and Peter said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, my father in heaven. 
and you are Peter, and I'm this rock I'll build my church, and he's feeling great. And I think he's thinking, I'm the special one. And then Jesus said, I'm going to suffer and die, and Peter took him aside, and he got the worst rebuke he'd ever had, which didn't make him feel good in front of the guys especially. But then in chapter 17, he goes up on the mountain, and so he's, he's feeling good again. There are three of them, just three of them that go up on the mountain. And so in chapter 18, they're discussing who is the greatest, and they're arguing about it. Mark says they're actually in an argument about who is the greatest. So what did Jesus do to uh, change their outlook? He brought a child and said, this is the mark of greatness. It's not how high you get, but say it, how low you go. Children show their children by the questions they ask. Do you know that the, the, the more adult-like we get, the less questions we ask? Because you don't want people to know that you're stupid, so you're not going to ask a question. Hope somebody else asks it for you so you don't have to reveal that you don't know something. <clears throat> On the day of Pentecost, there were two responses to what was going on. One was a question, and one was a statement. What was the question? What do these things mean? What a great question. That opens the door. What, what's going on here? That's a question. Kids will ask questions. But then there are people who are saying they're drunk. Were they right? They were dead wrong. But they were making statements. Sometimes we're adult-like, and we think we know something, and if we don't, we don't want to find out because we don't want to say, uh, you don't know that? So we don't ask questions. Kids are, are both open to ask, and they're open to say things like, I'm really good at math. <laughs> and, and, and it's refreshing because they're simply being honest. I'm good at math. What about if one of, one of, somebody here, one of the adults said, I'm really good on computers? We, we think, that's strange. What's he bragging about? We'd immediately think he's bragging because he's an adult. But it may be that he's being like a kid, only we just don't know it. But see, we don't know how to be like kids. But Jesus said, you better learn. Unless you become like a child, you won't even get in through the door. You won't even make it. So we need to learn how to dial down and become like kids. And here are these wise men, and remember, wise men, they studied literature, they studied the stars, and somehow, we don't know how, but somehow God spoke to them because they were childlike, and then they were child enough to say, we got to go find out more about this. we got to go. It's a long trip. When you add coming and going, it's close to a year. And you think people are going to talk him out of it. They probably tried talking out of going. Why are you going? You're not even Jewish. They were Gentiles. And listen to what they said. Where is he who is born? What? King of the Jews. 
for we have seen his star in the east. So you're here, you go east, could be Babylon, could be Persia. Some think it's Persia. I think it's right there. I may be wrong. If God corrects me, I'll say, it's okay. I, 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 I thought. So they were willing to come. Second thing they did, here's a childlike thing. They asked a where question. Not too many guys are willing to ask the where question. If they're lost, I know, I know how to get there. <laughs> I have to ask for directions a lot because I get lost easy. I'm, I'm directionally challenged, and so my kids laugh at it, and so I have to ask the where question a lot. They ask where? Where, where do we go now? Why did they go to Jerusalem? I think they made an assumption. They shouldn't have made an assumption. They assumed, they knew that Jerusalem was the city of the great king because that's what they learned here. And so they assumed he'd be in Jerusalem because he's a king. And people will know about it. And so he asked, and they did their research. I don't know how long this took. To get that answer may have taken several days because the scribes, Pharisees, they had to figure out where is Messiah to be born. They finally find it in a little book called Micah. Micah. It's either Micah 5, 2, or 2, 5. And they say, this is the spot. Did they move? Did they budge? The leaders who found it for them? See, they weren't seeking anything. The first game that I play with my grandchildren is hide-and-go-seek. We played it all Christmas. They love to run and hide and for me to go find them. That's a kid's thing. Treasure hunts, Easter egg hunts. Have you ever had an adult Easter egg hunt, Joshua, Steve? Kids do it because they're searchers. These weren't searchers. They were researchers. And they got the information right, but they didn't budge. They could have gone on a hike five miles away and met the king of the ages, but they sat still. But these wise men, they were eager. They were searchers. They were looking. And something new was being revealed in their hearts. And so they went the five-mile stretch. And the star, this is incredible. It's a miracle. God showed them where it was, and they knew where the house was. How'd that happen? It's sheer miracle. Miracle of God's goodness and grace to show them. And they go in, and what do they do? Here's a kid, a year old, half year old. What do they do? They fall down. They're Gentiles, remember. They know very little about Messiah. And they fall down and they worship. God had so opened their heart that when they got there to this place, they worshiped this little Little boy, it's incredible how childlike they were. And then they did another childlike thing. They gave it all. They weren't kings. I don't think they were rich. They were servants. Mary wasn't rich, the other Mary. But she gave it all she got to Jesus. She gave a perfume. She just poured it all out. 
probably 10 years of saving, probably her dowry, and she poured it out on Jesus. Disciples thought that was a waste. Jesus didn't think so. He still talks about it today. So they gave what they had, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I think Jesus, I think Mary and Joseph were stunned because they were poor and they were going to need finances for the next year or so. He wasn't working in Nazareth. How are they going to support this new baby? They're living away from home. It just got supplied. That was a, a gift that just caused them to marvel. So if you're childlike, you're going to be extravagant with your money. Why? Because you're rich? No. Doesn't have, it has nothing to do with it. I've told my kids, be extravagant. Give, 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 give. Be givers, and God will give it back to you. That's a childlike thing. It's not an adult thing. Adult thing, you're going to be careful. You've got to be careful here. But if you're a child, you, you just, your heart is open. You just give, and they just they gave. And then the final thing is they were open to God leading them through a star, through advice from skeptics, and through a dream. They were so childlike that God could lead them in this beautiful way. They were kids all the way. So I want to pray with you that you, that you and I, can be kids. I'm going to send you uh, some because I'm not going to take time to read it now. I'm just going to give a couple things from it. I'm going to ask you questions to determine whether you're a child or not. I've got eight of them here. I'm not going to give it to you now. I'm going to send them to you. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to ask you. I'm slow to label people. Adult or kid, are you slow to label people? If you're a kid, you are. Because adults don't know how to label people. I mean, kids know. Adults do. They can put a label on somebody real fast. One other thing. I avoid cynicism. Adults easily. We've lived enough life, uh, long enough to be cynics. Kids haven't, so they're more optimistic. So those are two. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send them to you. But uh, as we walk into the new year, I'd recommend that you make a decision. I'm going to be more like a child. How does that sound to you? I'm going to be more childlike. I'm going to be more in awe of God. I'm going to be more ready to bow down and worship him. Be more ready to give it all I got. I'm not, trying, I'm not saying, uh, Lydia House needs your money. Read my lips. We don't need your money. But you need to give. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And you need to become like a child. Father, we confess that sometimes we are so adult-like that we, don't, we can't be led by you. And we want to become like children in our outlook. We love the children that you've given to us here. We love the responses that we hear. We laugh at them. We want to be more like them. We want to be more open, more fresh, more alive to the moment, more giving, more worshipful. We want to bow the knee. We want that to be a style of our life. We're sorry for our cynicism. 
We're sorry for labeling. We're sorry for critical spirits. And we, we just set that aside now. And we say, we want to be more like you. Jesus, you were poor. You came to the poor, needy, and you didn't have a place to lay your head. And so uh, pray for any needy people among us this morning that, that they, as they look to you and trust in you, that you'd provide for them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, bless you and keep you. The Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, look upon you with his favor. Grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.